Welcome everybody, one and all, to another fantastic, fantabulous, fun, and ferocious uh, episode of Maine Education Matters. Uh, we are your number one-ish source for anything that has to do coming out of the Maine Education uh, Cultural Affairs Committee in Augusta, Maine Department of Education. We look at policy and stuff like that. We're here, if you're wondering what we do here, we provide updates on things like legislation and other policy that impacts school districts, allowing educators and leaders and students and families to have a more informed and empowered voice. You said one of their sources. I'm pretty sure we are the only source. But anyways, we listen <laughs> so you don't have to. My name is Matt. And my name is Julie. And I'm I'm a I'm a bit sh I'm a bit shook, Julie. I gotta admit, I'm a bit shook right now. And do I'm a bit, tell, do tell. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit shook because literally a moment before I pressed the record button, uh, I got a smackdown. I was the I was the recipient of a Smythe smackdown. So I'm 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 reeling from the ladies from the ladies Smythe smackdown. And I can tell you, uh, our our fair listeners, our faithful seventeen listeners, it stings. It stings a lot. I wish people could see my face right now as I <sighs> listen to this. So today we will be reviewing the week of March 29th that bled into April. Um, we're going to talk about what happened on March the 29th and also what happened later in that week on April the 2nd. Can you believe we're in April? I can't. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So on March the 29th, they started off that lovely Monday. I believe it was. Uh, it day was Wind Whipped Monday, wasn't it? Power outages in the in York County. Oh yes, it was a crazy day, but they they persevered. Well, it's it's good it's good that our Education and Cultural Affairs Committee is showing tenacity and grit. Um, that's that's a wonderful thing that we we see because you know grit is important. Question mark. Um, resilience certainly is. Uh, they had a work session that day and. It was a work session all around those that five-bill day of career and technical education. Remember that a while back, a few weeks ago? Yes. And they had quite a bit of LD. They had five LDs that they were looking at on that particular day, starting off with uh, LD 329, uh, which, oh, sorry, LD, we'll just go down in order. Uh, not 329, I was looking at the wrong spreadsheet, part of the spreadsheet. Uh, which you can find, by the way, on our Twitter and Facebook handles. You can find them there. Uh, LD144, which was an act to fund capital improvements to career and technical education centers and regions to bolster Maine's future workforce. They also looked at an act to LD414, an act to create parity between private schools and public schools regarding career and technical education tuition rates. Uh, they also looked at LD680, a resolve to reestablish the task force to study the creation of a comprehensive career and technical education system. I'm going to stop there because all three of those were tabled. They were tabled, but we picked back up on 144, didn't we, on Friday the 2nd? Uh, they did. Yes. They, they, they tabled it for that day. They did pick it up on the 2nd. Uh, we'll, and yeah, we'll get to that one in just a couple. All right. A couple so and a few. Table, table, tabled. Okay. And then... Uh, LD 516, a resolve directing the Department of Education to review uh, CTE courses and provide guidance on high school credit equivalencies. This went through the work session and ended up as a divided report. Minimal, minimally, minimally divided report. 10 to 1. Which isn't that, it, I find that fascinating that even a 10 to 1 they get to do a divided report. But I guess every legislator's voice is important. Every legislator gets to have their perspective. Um, I've never seen a, a, a multiple division. It's always one or the other. It's always ought to pass as amended or ought not to pass. It might be ought to pass, might be ought to pass as amended. I've never seen one where it's ought to pass, ought to pass as amended, and ought not to pass. I think okay. that's a that's a, that'd be a goal for the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee for someone to set that precedent. All right, I do have some notes I want to share on this one. Go for it. So, Representative Fecto is the sponsor of LD five sixteen, and 
it's funny. This is another one where the language doesn't necessarily match the intent. He was really looking at or wanting multiple pathways for dual enrollment to be more recognized. I guess my wording would be on that. And two things of note that I took from this. One, Representative Fecto is, um, he sort of gave this, he gave a smackdown to the DOE. And I get all mama bear when that happens because I'm very thankful for all the DOE does. I now know after listening to Friday why he gave them a smackdown and I respect his view. Um, that's a tease right there, just so you know. And Ooh. that was a tease. Um, in fact, he said about the DOE, they've had ample amount of time sitting in the bullpen. Now, I respectfully disagree. I think that they have been burning both ends of the candle and doing so much. So when he says that they should have been able to say this course at a CTE is equivalent to this course at a community school or in a high school and whatnot. So that's where that was going. And then Representative Millette, she hesitated. She was a little nervous to say it, but she said, maybe we need a study group. Uh oh. And she would like a couple letters written. She wants a letter written to the DOE where she asks them, can you lean in and support the CTEs in pulling together this work so students can um, get what they need? And can we write a letter to the department and all the various stakeholders? So the community colleges, the small businesses, all of the stakeholders and have them collaborate and address this gap that we're seeing. And so the, it, the motion was that the bill is ought not to pass, but with these two letters being written. I thought that was fascinating. That is an interesting take on, on that, isn't it? Sure yeah. is. And even what a, there was a suggestion of, okay, when would, when would these letters be, when would the outcome of these letters be reported back? And Representative Brennan said, January 15th, 2022. There, do it. Okay. And they voted 10 to one only Representative Roach from Wells opposed. Interesting. I thought that was very interesting. Huh. Well, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do, I guess. Uh, I don't, I, I kind of like you, I'm not, and I understand the the need to, or the, the, the desire to smack down the DOE. Um, I think that for, you know, many, many, many years, it kind of deserved to have a smackdown because it wasn't necessarily providing the leadership that it is now. Um, and I am so appreciative of the of the way things are happening these days. Um, so I don't know to what extent the history, you know, it's a, per a, a perception of what was, still is, and I'm like, I, it's, it's not that way anymore. Right. It's, it's very, very, very different. So I, I, I hear you and I feel you on that. And so... Um, the other thing, I mean, I do not live in high school land anymore. I started as a high school teacher and, you know, I would follow the vocational program. Whoops, you don't like that term. Sorry, I would follow. Okay. I would follow what was going on in paths in Portland, for example. Um, but there is a site on the DOE that lists where CTE courses intersect with main learning results and maybe even the industry standards they were talking about. And it's very, it's a very impressive crosswalk and hats off to Dwight Littlefield. I'm sure he's led much of that work. And I am hopeful that this, these letters might result in what Representative Fecto is working towards to benefit all. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. The other one on that morning was LD572, an act to assist students in preparing for opportunities to live and work in Maine, ought to pass as amended. And I will, and, and if I may step on some toes, 
I'd like to give a quick shout out. Ooh, you're talking my language. I, I do. To uh, Sam Baker and the folks who, the legislative analysts, whatnot, who at the DOE, or at the, not DOE, but at the legislative uh, level. Because if you go onto the Education Cultural Affairs Committee pages and you look under testimony, when there's an amendment, they're posting the amendments now. Nice. The amendments are being posted. This is something we've been wanting for years, and they're actually there. Hats off to Sam Baker. Lovely. So this one's ought to pass as amended. I believe on this one, the amendment was not only should districts provide the link, but the DOE needs to create resources to support the link. Is that what the amendment was? That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, 10-0, I love that bipartisan support, unanimous. Great, it's, it's great to see. So then they had, they went had, had some lunch, either at home or at the Cross Cafe, depending on where they were. And then we moved into the afternoon for public hearings and we previewed these. We're going to do a quick testimony review to see, you know, kind of what people were saying about it. And we'll go down the list in terms of just numerically, uh, LD52, was an act regarding collective bargaining negotiations by the public employers of teachers. This has had a weird little little life here. It had a work session that was held. They voted as a divider report. Then it was referred to the Education Committee and has also been referred out. Um, and ha at some point also had five pieces of testimony, um, all of which seem to be in favor. Yes. I am looking forward to the work session on this. It referenced some previous experiences that districts have had and they've asked Hillary or Sam to pull together the information. My takeaway from this conversation though was both Eileen King and Grace Levitt. So Eileen King from Maine School Board Association, Maine School Management and Grace Levitt, president of the MEA they both gave a shout out to Commissioner Macon for the work that she has done to bring the ed orgs together. And they both feel that um, some legwork has already been done to support moving in this direction. And it was just nice to, to see that um, the recognition was given and that they feel that there is support for improving communications and, and they credit the commissioner for already starting that. So it will be an interesting work session if you sure. enjoy those labor. <laughs> it sure will be. It'll, it'll be absolutely, it'll be fascinating to hear and especially given the fact that something that could be so contentious is seeing a life of just unanimity. LD 643, an act to direct the Department of Education to establish a working group, uh-oh, to determine best practices and accountability standards for school boards to manage the performance of superintendents. This blew my mind, Matt. We have had several conversations based on your experience from being on the school board, but it wasn't until this testimony that I realized how broken the system really is. You expect these school boards and superintendents to work closely together for the betterment of students, staff, community. And then you say to the school board, okay, now you need to give a fair evaluation of your leader. And most of the information is coming directly from the superintendent and who's not going to tout the, all the great things that they do and, and give a self assessment that is, is glowing. It, it just fascinated me, the conversation on many levels. And I am, uh, I'm contemplating a, um, a job change. I am contemplating creating my own consultant, consultancy firm Ooh. to support school boards in evaluating their superintendents. Because as the, as the co-sponsors shared their real life examples, I can't remember which representative it was. I have the note somewhere, maybe representative Cuddy. Yes, representative Cuddy. He said, hey, I was on the school board for four years. I'm an electrician by trade. What do I know about 
fairly and effectively evaluating a superintendent. You know, you put all this pressure on right. parent volunteers, community volunteers, and then when something goes awry, I don't know, it just, it's, it seems to me, it doesn't seem to me, it is. It's a broken system. I would, I would like to see something like an accreditation team come in and do an evaluation and work with the superintendents and the school boards. But um, well, what's what's so interesting is that you know we have this like chapter one eighty a teacher evaluation system which gets really detailed into models and things like that, but we don't necessarily have that requirement for we have, it's for building administrators as well, but we don't have that for upper level administration. There's there's our policies. There's a three sixty review. There's a process that MSMA has. I did find it interesting that all of the testimony was in support of Maine School Boards Association is in favor of this and Maine School Management Association is neither for nor against. Yeah. That which tells you like, okay, that's because uh, it would make it would make them the evaluation more consistent or possibly more um, stringent based on best practices and standards, which kind of is it's that thing where if if we in the administration or we in the leadership, we need to model the behaviors we want to see. And so if we're expecting our the educators what not to go through a model of evaluation that's based on standards and best practices, et cetera, well, shouldn't the leadership as well? By law, the school board's job is to select the superintendent. There is nothing in law that says they evaluate the superintendent. So school boards, you know, main school management, they're the ones who push these policies on our district. But what does that mean if something is in policy, but it's not supported by statute? Um, it means it's optional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that's my take. It's it's because it, policies can be changed. Statutes are way harder to change. Yeah. So this, this work session will be fascinating to hear and to listen to. And I'm very curious to see where folks land on it. I feel our superintendents and our school boards deserve more. And I think, and I look at the work that Steve Bailey and Eileen King are doing for Maine School Management. I mean, they're, they're doing amazing things, but it's a broken system that deserves this attention and hats off to Representative Gear for, for bringing it forward. And yeah, I've, I've really been reflecting on this testimony a lot. I find it fascinating and I look forward to hopefully some positive changes coming from this. Me too. Uh, LD 816, an act to improve communication between school boards and educators by requiring notice of discussion of labor matters. This, um, yeah, this, I, I really was intrigued by this conversation as well. So this is our, our chair, co-chair, Senator Rafferty, brought this forward. Um, and I have experience with exactly what this is trying to move beyond. Um, John Kaczynski from the MEA, he shared examples of districts that have policies where you as a staff person are not allowed to talk to a school board member. Everything has to go right. through the superintendent. And what John Kaczynski shared is that this creates a fear factor. Staff don't even dare to share, you know, if, if they run into a school board member in the grocery store, they, this fear has been instilled. And we know that's not what the superintendents meant for it, but the way it is perceived is, is this um, you're not going through the the proper chain of command. You're not going through the, the proper channels. And it really has created toxicity in many districts that, and, and that is why MEA is speaking out to, to support this, this change. Yeah, I, I would did not like it. No, well, I would, I would say part of the, part of the challenge is, um, it really creates an interesting and a, and, a, and a challenging dynamic for school board members because school board members, one of the responsibilities, they are, they are not responsible to the public. They are not responsible to the, to the con 
to the constituents. They're responsible to the law and to do their, their simple things. If you make it to have to regularly communicate with the public and all that other stuff, it can very easily blur those lines so that now the school board members are feeling like they have to then go and be, um, they're like public representatives, which they're not. In the state of Maine, that's not how school board members are. They are in other states, but not in Maine. And well, Matt, I think you're referencing what they talked about from 2005. Drummond and Woodsum issued uh, a paper, an academic paper, whatever you want to call it, yep. saying, saying that school boards are not accountable to the voters. And I can't remember if it was Eileen or someone else who gave the historical perspective of that, but it had something to do with a ward of the state was being recommended for, I mean, this is, this is, um, I'm paraphrasing my interpretation of it too, but a ward of the state in, you know, the early 2000s was, it was recommended that this student go to a special purpose school. They had just moved to the community and the district didn't have the money, something along those lines. And that, that is what resulted in this statement that school boards aren't accountable to their public. And that's not at all what the intent of what open lines of communication is supposed to be. Okay. So I feel, I mean, how can they not be considered public entities if they're voted in? Well, well okay. Sheriffs are voted in, though, right? Yeah, yeah. And and they they are responsible to the law. They're not necessarily responsible to the con uh, to the constituency. I mean, they are, but they don't have to do whatever the constituents want. In that way, if even if a, a very loud minority of them rise up to create something like uh, I don't know a, a big change. They don't have to do that because if the law says to do this, it has to be done this way. And if best practices say have to be done this way, it they doesn't they can't change that. So I think that's and maybe I'm totally wrong here. Maybe I'm off. Um, it's it's been known to happen before. It's happened several times today. It'll probably happen several times again later today. But I'm I just think it it blurs that line of um, power within a school district, and it makes it. And if I could be very, very candid, uh, the, uh, I know of a district in a place in Maine, not the one that I work for, um, but another one, where this kind of, these lines have been blurred, and it's made a huge mess of things. Well, I have a solution to those blurred lines. Ooh, I love solutions. Yes. I, I feel that if we did a better job of training our school board, our staff on, okay, this is an example of a chain of command. Here's a hypothetical, like really spend the time and talking about, it's times like this that you first need to go to the teacher. Then, you know, if that doesn't resolve itself, then you go to the principal. These are the types of situations you don't go directly to the superintendent or you don't go directly. Because one of the things Eileen King said, you know, when she was a superintendent, nothing would upset her more when she would hear about something that she had no idea about. It's like, give me the, the common courtesy to come and let me know. Sure. So my solution is you have, to, as, as hard as it is to have all of these meetings, but Zoom and Google Meets this year has really shown us that you don't all have to be in the same room, but create opportunities for conversations where people's voices are heard. And there are ways to celebrate the good things. And so my solution is create opportunities for numerous meetings, whether it's with the, the wards of each, each school community or with teachers, there are ways that you can improve communication so it doesn't result in this fear factor that has been formed in some of our districts from a policy. Would this be a, a would these meetings run by the school board, by the superintendent? I would think the superintendent 
would facilitate some of them, but also your teacher liaisons, like create a situation. Year, in, years ago, we used to have a great advisory that was run by teacher leaders who were union members who collaborated with leadership on the agenda. Each school was represented. Each representative would then go back to the school and share the concerns and vice versa. So there was a really nice feedback loop. Um, so I just yeah. think having the cons consistency of those opportunities would negate this feeling of, well, I didn't know or. Sure. All right. And uh, there were only eight pieces of testimony. There has been a, uh, a proposed amendment that's been put forward. But I, I'm very looking, much looking forward to uh, the work session in this one because I know that the legislative folks, the, the team members there, they're going to do a deep dive into the law on this one. And they're going to do a deep dive into how, what, they, what has happened and the Drummond Woodson stuff. That's going to be really interesting listening. Yeah. The final one that day of, of the work set of the um, public hearing. LD 1050? 1050, uh, an act regarding the duties of school boards pursuant to the laws governing attendance at elementary and second schools, secondary schools, excuse me. Three pieces of testimony here. And um, yeah. Simple word change. That's easy enough. Yep. It was just, it seems like it, it, there was a mistake that instead of the word rules being used in this one particular part of the bill, it needs to be changed to policy so that it's consistent. It seems like it will go pretty quickly. It's interesting that uh, the MPA unanimously opposes this. Yeah, I do have why. And I think Representative Millette posed that question. Why is the MPA? Because um, Representative Stearns wanted he suggested, should we just go into work session and make this change? It, it seems like it's a grammat not grammatical, but um, an error. Like a logistical right. error a logistical kind of thing? Logistical error. Um, and Representative Wallet said, well, I'm really interested as to why the MPA opposes it. So. I, I, and I, I think logistical is, is the issue because the MPA goes into it a little bit in their, in their testimony. Um, saying that there are already policies and practices that all school boards have developed. Administrators follow to address attendance and truancy issues that take place every year. Where these, practice, where these practices work for some students and families, it does not with others. Problem is when we report crop and absenteeism and truant students to DHHS. This is the last step that schools can take. Our only recourse is to continuously report these chronic absenteeism and truants. Unfortunately, DHHS is overwhelmed and workers are not always able to respond to all of our reports. So I think that what they're saying is, look, it's not that we're opposed to the idea of this, but the reality of it is that this is really, really challenging, really just impossible to kind of do, in their opinion. When I read the MPA's testimony, I thought it, it, there was a misunderstanding. I mean, all we're talking about is one one word that policy has been used throughout. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But those that work session has not been set yet. Is that right? Uh, nope, that work session has to be, actually has been set for April 7th. Whoa. Wednesday, oh. April the 7th. In... Indeed. Sorry, I hit my mute button there as I was saying that. And that wraps up their busy day. That busy, busy day on March the 29th. So we can skip ahead down to the week, jump over those few few other days of the week, and move on to Friday, April the 2nd, the day after, after April Fool's Day. When I woke up on April Fool's Day that morning, and I went down to pour my cup of coffee, and nothing but water came out. I set it for them for the morning. I then go, what the heck? I open up the, did I forget to set it last night? I've often done that. I open the cabinet. All of the coffee in the house is gone. And there's a note from my, from my daughter, April Fools. Oh. It is 5.45 in the morning. Oh. So I went upstairs and I rubbed her back and I said, hey, sweetie, it's 8.30. You slept through your first class. You got to get up. Oh. 
And she's like, what, what, what? I said, yeah, April Fool's, where's my coffee? Oh, that's a good one. Oh my, yeah, I have nothing to, to challenge that. That was a good one. So April the 2nd, uh, they, the work session in the morning had five bills. We'll start off with LD 636, an act to encourage the purchase of local foods for public schools. Presented by Sen Senator Vitelli out of Sagadahawk County. A lot, a lot of good testimony for this. 18 items for this. And the committee action is they tabled it. Because of... Oh, this was the one where um, the woman from Full Plates Full Potential tried to say, we already have the allocated... The money is already there. But what's happening is that districts are not accessing it because there either aren't enough choices or there's not enough product for the number of schools right. and whatnot. So a couple of the legislators were really hung up on that fiscal note saying, this is too good to be true that the money's already there. 31 districts are taking advantage of it, but there are a lot more. So they need more information. I'm it seems like this should should go forward. They just need to noodle on it a little bit more. Yep. Speaking of food, uh, LD655, an act to require at least a 30-minute lunch period for students, was also heard that day. 13 items of testimony that day, and they voted out as a divided report. This conversation almost went down a huge rabbit hole. They started to talk about, it's time we talk about extending the school day. And I couldn't help but chuckle. I mean, yes, we would love a longer school day, but talk about not getting past the appropriations committee. That's a huge chunk of change right. we'd be talking. It's, it's not as simple as just saying, you know, we need another half hour, another hour. Um, so it ought, it ought to pass as amended, seven to four vote, I'm drawing a blank on the amendment though. Was it the option? I don't I don't know what it was and it's not it's it's not listed right now as one of the MM is on the um on the website. So I I can't pull it up to say what it is in particular. Right. I I felt that the, the you know, many of our representatives have been teachers, so they they truly understand where Representative Dodge is coming from. They want to support this, um, but many of them understand the logistics. Well, that and it's also being a local control state. It's this is kind of you know, you, you if you're going to have local control, you kind of have to have local control. You can't have one foot in local control than one foot in the way that you schedule your school day. Right. You know, I think that's some of the arguments against it. So I have that Sam is going to direct the DOE to study and report back. I think that was the amendment that it's turned into more of a study than a, a mandate. Is, is it a task force? I did not write those words down. <laughs> I did not. So that, but that's off to, ought to pass. Uh, seven to four, great. Uh, the next one that morning, LD 707, an act to promote student health by requiring SAUs to offer extracurricular sports as a requirement of receiving state education funds. A requirement. I remember this one as being, uh, if you have, you you will do have sports. If you want funding, you will have sports. Was this the one that was? I hate to use the term killed or just voted ought not to pass. It was pretty quick. Yeah, this is ought not to pass. There was no way this was going through. Right. But I can't save it to the end. I have to do it now. What caught my attention, Sam Seneff, the OPLA um, expert analyst, did so much work to get 
the representatives all the information they requested on sports and extracurricular activities. I mean, the amount of work that this man put into that analysis, the conversation lasted maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Not like no regard for how much work. It's like when you're a teacher and you put so much care and effort into your lesson plans and you return to see that the sub wanted to do something else. It's like, oh, it's just a hit in the stomach. So. See, yeah. I, I don't connect. I don't understand really what you're saying because I've never really put care or a lot of attention into pretty much anything, including my family. So. Matt it's... threw it card. Not funny. Sand so, Seneth, I recognize how much work you put forth in that analysis. And although yeah. I, didn't, I mean, I agree that it ought not to pass, but it just, there's got to be a middle ground of how much work needs to be put in before that. Anyways. Anyway, the final work session of that day, LD 144. We're back. <gasps> uh, an act to fund capital improvements to CTEs. And this one ought to pass as amended. Yes. This, on this day, they had to they had to sit on it for a couple of days and think about it, look at the amendment, and now it is ought to pass as amended. I really respected their patience with this, though. They all support CTE. They all want to see the necessary changes. But when you put a twenty million dollar, you know, twenty when you put twenty million dollars into a project, you want to make sure that it's not being manipulated and it's for all the right reasons. So I really respected the conversation and the patience on this and I hope that it continues to go through with bipartisan support. And with that, we go into the public hearing that afternoon. Only, only There were three bills that day, but we're not gonna talk about the main bicentennial commemorative license plate. And we're going to go into LD 742, a resolve to track youth mental health during the COVID-19 public health emergency by ensuring Maine the Integrated Youth Health Survey is conducted during the 2021 year. Uh, Ten pieces of testimony for this one. Well, really nine, because a couple of was listed twice in here. And what do you think about this one? Well... Hats off to Representative Fecto, the passion that this man exhibited. He is so concerned about the anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations of our students. Um, he wants that data. And he, this, is, this was my teaser from earlier that he is so upset with DOE because he tried to address this back in November and he feels like he got the runaround. He communicated with DHHS, he communicated with DOE, and I'm sure in their minds, their explanations to him are, are legit. That, you know, it's with so many remote students, we can't do the main integrated youth health survey. It, it's, that's not the appropriate one. So he's saying, I don't care if it's that one, but there has to be an easy statewide survey that we can have all kids take so that we can see where there are pockets of the most need and, and where we can act and whatnot. And some of my favorite quotes from the representatives when they were supposed to be asking their questions, but I loved when um, Representative Crockett from um, Portland was like, your passion is beautiful. They all commented on the respect they had for his impassioned pleas. And he, I mean, they were with him for sure. And they definitely, Representative Stearns, I appreciate your compelling testimony. I took good notes on this, by the way. Yep. Um, but the, the most important thing, and I think it was Representative McRae, we, we know we know our students have have suffered through this pandemic. We know that um, the data is going to be increased. But what this committee didn't have is that our individual schools and the DOE, they have been responding from day one, from having food available to home visits to 
you know, may, every community has done something a little bit different, but there has been a good response. And I wish that that could be relayed. Um, I just, I don't know what. Sure. I, I don't know what seeing this data is going to make us do differently. Sure, I, I don't. I don't either. And this—that's kind of where I, when I looked at the, the testimony of this, and I saw, you know, Maine CDC had something to say on this. All right, let's hear what the public health officials have to say on this. These are the people who administer, and review, and look at all these data and provide it with Maine DOE. Um, and they've said they, since they decided to postpone the survey until the start of next school year, when it's expected that all or most students may come back, everyone kind of agreed with that. Then they say in their testimony, they say that it will be impossible to survey students in the remaining three months of the 2021 school year. Typically, it takes a year to plan and administer the survey. If this emergency legislation is enacted, there's simply not enough time to put together surveys, recruit participation from at least 50% of eligible schools for representative data, distribute surveys, and get completed surveys back before the end of the school year. Rushing to conduct the survey in the last three months of the school year could adversely affect its integrity due to insufficient participation impacting data quality. Also, administering an additional survey cycle as proposed in this bill would cost approximately $700,000, doubling the expenses budgeted. This is the mic drop and they walk away. This is why it's not going to pass. Because, and I'll tell you this much, if anyone up on that dais says that they we should believe in the science, they say anything like that, these are the scientists coming to tell us these things. Just And, and if you vote against what they're saying, then you don't mean what you say. Right. So this is not, if this goes through, I don't see how, I don't see why or how, because the main CDC has come out and said, no, we can't do it. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's do it well. But we can't. I mean, we can't do the, the main integrated health survey. That we definitely can't do. But why can't we do similar to the survey the DOE sent out um, before school started? And, you know, they received 12,000 responses. I can't even remember that was so many surveys ago, but why can't we do a modified survey on our kids that is that can be disaggregated? I, I think the challenge there is going to be like any survey. How how what are the questions? How are this administered? Um, is it open for anyone to take? How are we ensuring that our constituents are actually the ones taking it and not taking it multiple times? as I know has happened in many districts when they've done surveys for, for coming back from COVID or for proficiency-based learning or for whatever the situation might be, that's happened. There have been people who have come out of state who are participating in it because they see it on a Facebook post somewhere. So I think that's the challenge and to do a, if when we're talking about mental health and we're talking about the health of our kids, um, I don't think that's something you just want to do slapdash. Right. You know, which is why I think that I personally think that that's, the, that's why this isn't going anywhere. It's definitely going to be quite a work session. Um, they want DOE, they want DHHS, they want to hear why they want, you know, they want to hear from those scientists why. Um, but I hope they don't miss the forest through the trees that should we be talking about this or should we be talking about the resources and the supports that are available. And if they're not available to all districts, what we can do to increase that, because that's what, it's not important for us to see the numbers. It's important for us to respond to what our kids need. I think and that, they, and yeah. They, and, and they would say, well, how do you know? Well, we know our kids, I hope. Right, and this is, I think, one of those, one of those moments where I think that we could very easily, and everyone under, understandably say like, well, you know what? We don't know for certain. We don't have those data. However, it is reasonable to assume. It is within reasonable assumption that we could say these kids need help across the board, whether they're in the wealthiest communities or in the poorest of communities, whether the most urban or rural. This has been a, a traumatic experience for every single individual in this world. And we should just say like, we can do something. And maybe if it's not doing necessarily a survey, it's maybe we boost, if, we can, if we're talking about money, boost money to the SEL work that's being done with the DOE and get 
make that more prevalent, get those resources out, make some recommendations for um, if you're going to be using some kind of funding to make sure you're uh, aligning it towards so intentional social and emotional learning and behavioral supports and things like that for districts. I think that's, that'd be great. You know, I think we could have a, that reasonable assumption at this point, a year plus later, we've been going through this. Yeah, his his impassioned plea was very impressive and you know he kept saying you know rather than spend cares money on gadgets and um tvs that can't even be put on the wall yet you know why are we not spending time addressing this so he he i understand his frustration i i respect it um, I hope something good can come from this. The other thing he mentioned as a solution, he talked about, and I wasn't familiar with this, how, um, I don't know if you read this, he talked about stand downs, how if something were to happen in the military, that would be traumatic, that they would shut everything down, it would be called a stand down, and they would come up with a solution. And, you know, he's like, this seems to be the you know, there were times that we probably should have done that to, to get an answer to support our kids. But. I, it's, it's funny that, they, they, that you say that because I've been, you know, I've been you know, waxing for years about how if, if we were a, if, to do major school reform, if we were a private entity, a private organization, we could shut down for six months, eight months, completely retool and reopen. The challenge is we're like the tide. Schools are like the tide. It never stops. In the summer, it goes away for a little bit, but then it comes right back, and it never stops. We, it's a, it's a, it's a thing we, it just doesn't stop. So, um, good luck shutting it down, stopping it. As if we did stop it, what would happen then? What would that mean if we stopped everything? And I, I, we came. People think we came close to that last spring, although the learning never really stopped. It looked different, but it never really stopped. No. Anyway, the la- are, we, are, are we good to move on to the last one? Good. I'm good. Cool. LD993, an act to prevent the spread of infectious disease in schools. This one was emergency presented by, oh, I can't remember his name at this point. Um, I, lo- I just I clicked the wrong thing, so I lost it. Uh, see, this is called not being prepared, folks. Bruce White of Waterville. Yes. And we can just tell right now, uh, they, they held the work session and they referred it to labor and housing. They said, yes, nope. It, it's definitely not what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it was definitely not. So they said, this isn't us. You can, you can take this to labor and... Uh, we're going to pass the buck on this one. And they did. So but I think our handy dandy um, crack team of spreadsheet doers, <laughs> um, they'll follow this one, won't they? Since it has to do with our hourly employees and we want to make sure. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that they keep on it. And if, and if they don't keep on it, we'll just fire them and get new ones. Okay. Because, you know. Isn't that what happens? Isn't isn't all expendable? Everyone's expendable these days. Isn't that how things work? No. That's not where I thought this conversation would go. But <laughs> so that does it for the week, though, of March the 29th uh, and April the second. Now, any other smackdowns or Lady Smythe shoutouts? Yes. So the first shoutout went to Sam Seneff the legal analyst, if that's the correct term, just, he, he did a fantastic job. I mean, Hillary's shoes are hard to fill and Hillary had gone previously. Um, they're both the analysts for the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee. Right. But shout out to Sam Seneff that he did an exemplary amount of work for LD707, all to just be, you know, voted ought not to pass 11-0 and done in five minutes. So I just, oh, a lot of work. And then my other shout out goes to Molly Bogart. Molly, um, I'm not 
sure of her specific title for DHHS, but she was called in to talk about why the main um, integrated youth health survey is not being done. And she was fantastic. She answered the questions that she could. She said she would explore the questions that she didn't. And she supported DOE, DHHS, CDC, and she honored the concerns of the legislators. So I just thought she was fantastic. And Molly, I know you're probably not listening, but if anybody knows Molly Bogart, um, please let her know that we are big fans of hers at Maine Education Matters. She we sure are. Job. Sure, a wonderful job. Very appreciative of the, of the hard work. And if you wanted to look at that spreadsheet that we mentioned a minute ago to keep track of all these bills and things that are happening, wanted that one-stop kind of shop, you can go to our Twitter page. It should be pinned right there. You can follow us online there at Maine Education Matters, or at Maine Ed Matters, excuse me, at Maine Ed Matters. Get that right. Um, actually, I have a smackdown to our crack um, technology team. Okay, please. I, I'd love to hear it because I, I'm always looking for an excuse to fire them and get new spelled, ones. My name is spelled incorrectly. <gasps> well, well, I think that we might have to just leave that up because... I will, I will, I will get on that. I will, I will connect with them, um, and there will, there will definitely be some uh, elevated voices. There will be some uh, uh, R-rated language. No, 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 no. Listen, I was. Oh I yeah. Was oh no. It's it's the, no. This, the barn door is open. The smackdown has come down. I felt the sting earlier in this podcast, so I am going to pass that sting on because you know. That's just what happens. You pass it on, right? I, I know we're done, but I have to set the stage. It's Easter. I'm celebrating with my in-laws. I'm bragging about you as my co-host, and Aww. I wanted to. I wanted my my in-laws to hear my, you know, my contribution to the podcast. So I explain. All you have to do is Google it, and it will pop up. And what pops up is my name spelled incorrectly, and it's their name. So that that didn't go over too well. So let's fix my name on wherever it is out there. That will that that we will do. Okay, and you can go and find out more about us at facebook.com/slash Maine Education Matters. And Julie, that's it for today. Happy Easter, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Matt.